Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Eyes on Isles free episode edition. I am your host, James Nichols, and with me is my good buddy, Joe Bono. What's going on, pal? Oh, no, nothing. You know, just enjoying the World Junior Championships, watching William DeFour and Atu Ratu, and uh, that's really uh, where my focus has been the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, no, not a whole lot going on in Islander country, right? Not, not too much to talk about. I mean, nothing recently has uh, broken or, or has been released, right? I, I don't really know what, what, what do we talk about today? Well, I guess we can talk about that the Islanders still haven't made any free agent signings and uh, unlike a week ago, uh, are not expected to make any free agent signing announcements. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so let's get right to that situation at hand. Uh, It is now, it's Friday the 19th and on Thursday the 18th, uh, it was announced that despite the multiple reports that you heard about Nazim Kadri and the Islanders being, uh, I guess, rumored to have signed or or have agreed to a, a contract at seven years at seven million dollars per year uh that contract instead was signed with the calgary flames uh what was your instant reaction to nazim kadri <laughs> becoming a calgary flame it was a really good swerve i mean it was um <laughs> i mean here's the thing you got to parse this together in terms of well Everything we heard was not true. I don't believe that was the case. You don't have a player of this stature out for a month long and it be this quiet. Um, there was a reason for that. So if you tell me, if you would told, if you would have told me, well, Nazim Kadri's camp and the Islanders had in agreement the framework of a deal. That's what everyone kind of was reporting, and that the Islanders had other moves to make the RFA signings, and we knew that they were trying to move salary, whether that be Josh Bailey, conversations about Anthony Beauvillier with teams, whatever it may be. And then you had people from Elliot Friedman to John Shannon to even Kevin Weeks. Everyone loves Kevin Weeks. No one says anything bad about Kevin Weeks. He put out the tweet (laughs) that the four transactions or more were going to be announced very, very soon. 
Yeah. So everyone found felt like it was imminent. And the part for me, which was always the, well, how can this be imminent without knowing the trade that needed to happen to unload the salary to make it all fit? And speculation um, on my part, I feel that there likely was a deal in place, framework of a deal in place between the Islanders and Kadri. And, you know, seven times seven was the rumored number. That's what he ended up signing with with Calgary. At some point, the Flames looked at that situation and said, if we were unable to unload a salary and fit him under our cap, could we do it? They were able to execute it or were willing to execute it by moving Monaghan and a 2025 first round pick conditional to Montreal. And they were able to get those terms done because for if you're Nazim Kadri and it's the same exact deals and one has been you've been waiting on for 30 days or so for the other shoe to drop so you can actually sign that contract and maybe go to a better team, possibly. You understand why this may have transpired the way it did. Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly it, right? And I'll preface this by saying, you know, believe what you want to believe and 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 follow who you want to follow. But uh, I, I will say, and that was the, you know, leading up to the announcement, that was the, the vibe that I got was that, hold on, things have uh, over the last few days gone in a bit of a different direction. Um, and because the Calgary Flames stealthily worked out uh, a deal with Kadri and were able to more quickly uh, move out the money in order to fit him, things did in fact change. And so the truth of the matter here really is um, time was of the essence here. Uh, Kadri did in fact have an agreement with the Islanders that he would sign a 7 by 7 deal handshake, nothing pen to paper, um, once the money was moved out. Long story short, you know, Lamorello, much like or, or not like how the Flames did, was not willing to attach a first round pick after having dealt his past three to a player, for example, like Josh Bailey to clear cap space. So what ends up happening here is he continues to try to negotiate different kinds of deals and, and nobody's really biting on, on what's happening here. Uh, and Kadri's waiting in the winds. And, you know, the longer he waits, the less patience he has. And, you know, again, he didn't put pen to paper, so he didn't have to turn around and say, all right, listen, I know that I said I was going to sign a contract here with you, but, you know, clearly nothing's happening. My future's at stake here. What, what what's in the best interest of me? So what happens, like you said, and is completely accurate, Calgary turns around and says, we can make seven by seven work. We can also move out Sean Monaghan's contract to fit you under our cap situation. So Kadri, is this something that you're willing to do? It's interesting because two, was it last season or two seasons ago, Kadri actually used his or utilized his no trade clause and said, I'm not waving to go to Calgary. This time around, uh, you know, look how deep this went into the summer. It was the Islanders who had offered him the 7x7 seven seven deal and were trying to figure out how to move the money, but nothing was happening. The only other offer that he got, besides the the four-year deal I think that, that Colorado handed him, was from the Flames because they wanted to sign him for seven years, and he wanted the term. He wanted to make the most money that he could, and uh, likely the last time he'll be a free agent. So, you know, again, there, there's... Mm-hmm. I understand the the anger from the fans. I understand the angst. I understand, you know, feeling like you were quote unquote lied to. All of that, sure. Sit with that, be angry, scream if you have to. Once the dust settles, think about how this all went down. You know, 
like I said earlier, time, time was of the essence here. And just because something was true a week ago or two weeks ago doesn't mean that it's true now. And much like, you know, all of our favorite quote unquote insider, Elliot Friedman likes to say is, I'm telling you what I heard. I'm not necessarily necessarily telling you the truth. Um, what I heard, what my boss heard, what everybody heard was that the Islanders and Kadri were locked in at seven by seven. Uh, it was a handshake agreement. It was going to happen once the money was moved out. They couldn't make it happen quick enough. Calgary swoops in, makes the money happen quick enough. And there you have it. Kadri mm-hmm. is now with the And Calgary if there wasn't, Flames. you know, if the Flames didn't step up, maybe they were still waiting to see if another move can be made yeah, um, by Lamarillo. And, you know, Kadri probably put himself in a precarious position by really having only maybe one suitor at that point. Just like the Islanders put themselves in a precarious position by having, you know, one free agent target at that point and having been contingent on moving money around. Yep. And ultimately, he ends up signing with the Flames, not for some, you know, it's not like he took a discount because he just wanted to get his name, you know, pen on paper and uh, get a deal locked up. He took a deal that we feel were, was probably very comparable or maybe even the exact numbers that it would have been provided the Islanders made the, made the money work. Now, I think what's really interesting here, and uh, Isles Fix had a poll out, and uh, we wrote about it um, today on Isles and Isles, that, you know, around 1,000 responders, you know, are you glad that the Islanders did not sign Nazim Kadri to a seven-year, $49 million contract? And nearly three-quarters of the responders said, yes, we're happy that this deal did not happen. So you're coupling the idea with people being upset that, here's another plan that the Islanders set forth that this is what they wanted to do and they were unable to execute it. And there's frustration there um, in terms of, and then the confidence, you know, within the GM and the organization moving forward with a, well, even if they would have made this deal, I would have had to talk myself into the idea of really liking it in the short term, even though I'd be really concerned about the cap uh, moving forward and certainly the length of the deal for a player that's going to be 32 in October. So it's a lot of different emotions that complicate this situation. And what has been really polarizing about the potential Kadri signing altogether is that people recognize the type of player that he is right now. They recognize the offensive potential that he would have brought this Islanders team on the first top two lines without being completely sold that this was the perfect fit. Um, because of the age of the player and the length of this deal, which is a big deal when you're when you're signing someone to a seven year deal as a free agent that doesn't have even ties to the organization. It's not like, oh, we're going to make him a lifelong claim uh, for a 20 year career. This is someone who's coming in as a UFA and is going to play from ages 31, 32, up to 38, 39. Um, those usually don't end up well. And Calgary probably knows that. But where they are as a franchise and organizationally where they are, they think in terms of their ability to win a Stanley Cup, it was the right move for them. People may feel that the Islanders were in a are in a similar situation and should have done what they did uh, to make it work no matter what. But mm, you know, tagging a first round draft pick with anyone would be really difficult to do. We don't know whether or not the market for Josh Bailey and his two years left on his contract warranted that or more. And you know, I think about Beauvillier conversation is really a non-starter. There's just too much still potential there for him to score 20, 25 goals and really figure it all out. Yep. Uh, to give up on him and let alone attach a, a sweetener of that of that stature. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you there. And, you know, so now now the conversation turns to, you know, we, we or Isles Fix polled the Islander fan base 75-25. Are you in the 75 or the 25% here? Do you think that 
Kadri signing would have been detrimental, <laughs> or are you happy that it did not happen? Wow. <laughs> I'm probably in the in the 25, to be honest. I feel okay. I know I know that's kind of maybe going to be controversial to say in the minority i don't know how uh this team gets better so if you're hoping that between now and opening night another move happens sure i'd love to see that and then go clearly that was not the right move to make because look what they were able to do and they still were able to improve the roster without giving out a seven-year contract you know you just feel like if there was a move to make it would have been made already and the closer we get to training camp almost the less likely you would expect a deal to happen. Uh, doesn't mean it can't happen, but, you know, I was getting on board. I had started to talk myself into it and started to get more and more comfortable with the idea of, you know, three to four really strong years of Nazim Kadri and uh, really kind of intrigued by what uh, the potential of having him play with Brock Nelson or with Matthew Barzell in the top line or what maybe the power play units combinations could be. You know, because I think people looked at him as a second, third line center, um, but he's really played like a top center the last couple of years. And um, you're adding yeah. a number one, number one A type center to your team, a team that's finished 24th in the NHL in goals last year, kind of a necessity. So because I'd be a little bit more concerned about the here and now, like I'm, I'm, I guess, James, like for me, as an Islander fan, someone that follows the team for a long, long time, I'm bracing myself for the true rebuild or mini rebuild that may have to happen here three or four years from now. There's just too many players at this around the same age that unless you have just an incredible influx of top young talent coming in at the same time, I don't know how you don't have a couple year period where you're reshuffling the deck. And yeah. I feel like that ha- that would have happened whether the cadre was here or it would have happened now that he's not yeah i think i'm with you there on on you know in the three to four years it would have been something that they you know if he had signed that contract it would have been something that they would have had to have done right to get them to uh you know be a better team in that short window where they could compete now and uh you know now you start to question well you know what's going to happen in the future and everything so I, i think i'm with you there too i'm in i'm in that minority that um you know i i i do think it would have been a good contract for them to have signed, not the contract. It would have been a good sign. the contract might've been bad, but it would have yeah. been a good signing for the short term uh, just for them to, to have uh, or be projected to have more success than they did last season. And maybe even, you know, put them over the hump to maybe win that Eastern conference uh, championship that they've been to twice in the past three years. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. The thing too is, you know, and I think about it, like we've said this on a, couple of shows prior you know not only was he going to be here for the the four years in which we think he would have had it would have been a good signing for them to win in that window but like i said you know not too long ago you know in years five six and seven only four islanders or three islanders as currently as it's currently constructed would would be signed to contract so you still need players and i understand he would have been a little bit older and everything but you know at that point maybe he's a third line center and you know, who knows how the structure would have been under, you know, Lou Lamorello. I, I know it's definitely um, it's it's not front loaded with Calgary. I don't know if Lamorello would have uh, structured it differently. But, you know, if he did, maybe he would have been playing on a cheaper um, 
price point by you know years five six and seven so you know again you need players on your teams and by by the the latter half of that contract it wouldn't have looked as bad as we and all you might don't have know initially the, thought. the flat cap will be here forever you would expect that at some point there might be a little bit more wiggle room um but then so you would have probably have dealt with it would have been a similar type of challenge that the islanders are presented with right now likelihood of having a salary or two that you wish you could move. And uh, they would likely have had that same situation with Kadri at ages 36, 37, and 38. Um, and, you know, you would have looked to what he did in the first three, four years of the contract to determine whether or not it was worth it. Um, right now we won't be able to find that out. And again, if there were a, plet- a plethora of other alternatives to still improve this roster, then I think I'd be more in the camp of the 75%. Um, but I don't know what those are. And, um, you know, kind of looking back at the overall strategy of, of, of Lou Lamarillo in the front office, you know, it wasn't as if they did everything possible to clear cap space. Sometimes teams in all sports, you know what they're doing by the moves they make. They make these moves aggressively, they clear the cap space, they target one or two specific players in free agency. And the Islanders didn't do that. They were hedging almost to say, we're not going to just clear cap space and move multiple players without knowing whether or not we're going to be the desirable destination for this free agent. You know, we're not going to trade Varlamov. We're not going to trade Bovillier. We're not going to move Bailey for anything because we have no guarantee that Johnny Goudreau is going to come here. We have no guarantee that Nazim Kadri is going to want to be here or, or someone else when they looked at the free agent rosters, the free agent list before the offseason. So they tried to have it both ways to be able to say, we want to understand what the market's going to be. And if something makes sense in free agency, we're going to try to collectively make these two things work out in the end. And maybe they almost pulled it off, but they didn't at the end. And, you know, that's ultimately what they'll be judged by is that the cost of moving these players and maybe the interest they expected was not where it was the need to bring on salary um, to reach cap floors and, uh, like, you know, people automatically just expected, oh, you can dump Josh Bailey to Arizona. Why not? Who, why wouldn't they want to do that and, and bring on his $5 million AAV? Wasn't as simple as that. And maybe they thought it would have been. Um, so they're in the situation they are in. We'll see. You know, do you want to reconnect on JT Miller? I was listening to something uh, a few minutes ago where, again, in, you know, Vancouver circles, all right, so no adoption for JT Miller. It's it's already starting back up. Um, you know, he hasn't signed this RFA deal. He's probably holding the Islanders, you know, hostage given his career year he just had. So I don't I don't know where they don't where, where they where they go from here. And that's that's the reason why I probably am in the twenty five percent camp because I just don't know how they get in, they they improve uh, at least day one. Doesn't mean that not they're not modestly or marginally better because I think they are. You know, the combination of Romanov and just the team being healthier and some of the quirky stuff that happened last year, that should be enough to, for them to be better. How much better in a very, very competitive conference. That's what gives you trepidation. Yeah. And, and I think there's also some addition by subtraction there, you know, you, you know, removing Chara, removing green, adding Sallow, um, you know, you're a little bit faster now with Romanov as well. You know, there's, there's a little more speed on the back end, which is something that Lamarello stated he wanted to do. Before we talk a little bit further about maybe what the Islanders are going to do next, um, you know, a question that comes to mind for me is looking at the structure of how Calgary was able to um, 
sign and, and fit Kadri under uh, their salary cap. They traded Sean Monahan, who was traditionally a, a, a player who dealt with a lot of injuries, but when he wasn't injured, he was a very good player, you know, former multi 30 goal scorer. Um, but the, the cost of moving his contract was ultimately attaching that first round pick. Would fans have been more angry or equally as angry trading a first round pick just to sign Azeem Kadri as they are without getting Azeem Kadri? So I would say two different scenarios. Anthony Beauvillier with any pick, second round, et cetera, to do Kadri, I think people would have been pretty upset about that. I think the real question is if it was Josh Bailey plus a first in 2025, not even 2023 or 2024, 2025, right? So you're projecting two, three years out, first round pick with Josh Bailey for Kadri. What would the fan base has been be like? I think it might be a lot closer. So we we won't know. And, and you know, with the, with the Monaghan situation, he only has one year left on the right. contract. And Bailey has two. I think that's a big difference. I think next year, if they're in a similar position after Josh has played his 1,000th game in an Islander uniform, um, where they look to shed his salary and it's only one year left on the contract, you may have a lot more teams that are open to it. I just don't think that two years was asking a lot uh, for people, whether or not it was uh, with the pick or not, to, to carry a $5 million cap hit for two consecutive years. That's asking a lot for because I don't think most NHL teams are thinking like, Oh well, we're going to need this salary on our team for two more years. They might be looking for a quick, you know, a quick turnover. I think Montreal is expecting to be in the worst team in the league for two more years. You know, they're going to try to turn this thing around quick. They, they don't want to be saddled with a player and a and a contract they don't want going into twenty twenty three twenty four. No way. Yeah, I, I hear you there, and and so now the the conversation turns to you know what what do the Islanders do next? And you kind of alluded to it a little bit. In mentioning, oh, well, you know, there was that whole JT Miller thing. It, it didn't happen. They wound up with Romanov instead. But, you know, recent comments, and I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but recent comments from JT Miller himself on the Dropping Gloves podcast with uh, John Scott, uh, he spoke to the point of, you know, where we're not close to a deal. I don't know why they haven't signed me to an extension. I don't know why we can't agree to something, but we're not close. And it's been it's been a tough negotiation. And you know, I want to be here, but I also understand if it doesn't happen. So, you know, look, he's still got a year on his contract, uh, but I do think that Vancouver has aspirations of making the playoffs. It seems like they're only going to make that trade for JT Miller if they feel that they're getting at least one piece that can contribute at the NHL level uh, right now, plus a little bit more um, in order to fulfill that that competing uh, nature that they want to be in. Uh, is the JT Miller idea something that they can make happen before now in training camp? Is it something that they should pursue? Um, it's the thing it... that would get the fan base excited without question. Sure. But remember his deal, you know, unlike Kadri, where it's, it's just trying to make the money work. You got to make the money work here too, not only for the short term, but for the long term, because you're not going to make that deal on a rental basis. You're going to do it with the ability to, uh, negotiate with Miller and sign him to a long-term contract, probably something that very much resembles what Nazim Kadri just signed with. So whatever, you know, whatever you're sending back to Vancouver has to be done with that in mind. And that might be 
the challenge with Vancouver being willing to take what the Islanders can offer them because it might not, might not just be the most attractive, you know, prospect or pick that they can give. It's also with the player um, a, a, as well. Um, so, you know, are the Islanders going to try to uh, package, you know, Anthony Beauvillier, a pick and a prospect for JT Miller? That's, that's a lot. It's you know, considering costly. the prospects that they would look that they would look to get to in any if- Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. You're any um, GM in the NHL, you're going to be bringing up, you know, the two names that we mentioned at the top of the show. Um, I want um, Ratu and I want Dufour. There's going to be no one else. I'm not doing Beauvillier, Simon Holmstrom and the pick. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, right? You know, the Islanders prospect pools thin as it is, you know, we, that's, that's a constant narrative in the past few years that they have no really great, a, you know, prospects. Uh, Ratu's probably played his way into that, uh, terminology i I, i'll say you know he's probably a grade a prospect now despite not having been given that respect you know in in the athletics rankings and you know ep ep rinkside or whatever um but you know it does appear that you know the islanders do have something in raw too he was probably drafted a little bit later than he should have been he's probably uh good enough to say should have been a first round selection so you're not going to attach him you know and and Bovillier in in an exchange for JT Miller, um, you know it's a high price to pay. I don't know if you saw this, Joe, the other day, but there was a poll out there um, that was placed by our friend uh, David Tuckman. He polled the Islander fan base, asking if at this point Aturatu is untradeable. What's your thoughts there? Yes or no? Is Aturatu untradeable? 
I don't think he's untradeable. I mean, there's <laughs> got to be a trade where you would would certainly give him up. Um, but yeah, is he a player that you 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 want to tag along as as a, as a prospect? Here's the thing: when he is your top prospect, you're making the cupboard even more bare whenever you would make that move. And you have no one coming up, that means in that forward group, potentially in the next year, that can make an impact. And then then and then how do you fill that gap? Through free agency, through another trade? Like how difficult that has been. So, you know, he's not untradeable because there will always be a circumstance if another team wanted him enough that they were sure they would offer something that would be quite enticing. But he certainly has moved himself into uh, the position where the circumstances need to be one where you're getting probably a very young controllable player that's more of a sure thing than, than he is and teams aren't moving young controllable players um, unless in you know some very specific circumstances like Alex DeBrinkett, um and, and others that uh, you know they decide to do a complete tear down rebuild scenario and then you know then the cost is is not just one prospect it's prospect plus 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 right yeah I think I'm I'm there with you too right nobody's untradeable you know but at the same time and in the same breath like, of course, you're going to trade Atu-Atu if for some, and this is just a, a, for instance, hypothetical, if for some bizarre, strange, bizarre world reason, Colorado turns around and says, we want Atu-Atu, we'll pony up Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, you're going to do that. Like, that's obvious, right? But if Florida turns around and says to you, uh, we're interested in Atu-Atu, we'll trade you, and then, you know, this is presuming he's healthy. I know he's not going to be, but let's just say he was. Anthony DeClaire, who scored 30 goals last season. They're not going to do that because DeClaire has scored 30 goals once on a really good Florida Panthers team, and, and he's just not the star caliber player you fork over your top prospect for. But, you know, if they're if Colorado's turning around or, or even, you know, we'll give you Miko Rantanen, right? Like, yeah, right. Those, are, those are things you do. Um, but even in, right even now, in the realistic type, even in like the realistic type deals, you then also have to weigh like, okay, well, we're bringing in another player that we have to do what fit underneath our cap. Yes. Um, compared to someone who's going to be on an entry level deal, you know, you know, years away from, from arbitration. There's a lot of value in having I know, a 21, 22 year old player that can, that can put up points and be very cheap. Um, you know, look at the NFL, right? What are the, they talk all the time about those, you know, crucial four or five years of a young quarterback's career because you're able to spend money everywhere else. Yep. Um, and then all of a sudden, then that player starts getting this massive contract, and now you have to start picking and choosing where else on the roster you have to take away from uh, your core. And, you know, for the Islanders, it's, it's a similar position. You know, Matthew Barzell was was cheap for a period of time there, um, as was Adam Pellick, as was Ryan Pulak, and – they got to a certain part, and because they needed to bring back their own guys and pay them to keep them in the fold, they had to make concessions. Now, I think, you know, when you look at the Islanders and the decisions they've made, and you talk about the amount of money they wanted or needed to clear to probably make this all work, I think there are smaller deals they made in the last few years that you look at their, you know, you go to cap friendly and you see the Ross Johnston and the Matt Martins and even the Clutterbuck extension and even the Parisi extension for one year. And said, did they have to do that collectively? You add up those three or four players, four or five million, $6 million significant player that you could, you know, and it was it a product of not having anything in the pipeline that can kind of fill those last forwards on a roster role. Um, 
you know, the, 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 the nervousness about not having Sezekis, Clutterbrook, and Matt Martin to kind of together and what that would mean for them individually if they, if they weren't kind of that unit. But that was the decision they made, not only to just bring back the players you wanted to bring back, the Anders Lees, the Brock Nelsons, et cetera, and maybe pay, pay a price to keep them here. But, you know, some of these smaller deals collectively, when you look at it as a fan, that's the ones that I'd go in and say, man, do they have to do that? You know, who else were they bidding events bidding against when they had to do that extra year, the four-year deal, the two-year deal? Because those collectively have added up to a point where, yeah, the five, six million dollars you're looking to clear right now, you know, a good chunk of that could have been possibly avoided. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the the thing is you want these younger players to come up on their ELCs. You want them to contribute in in the NHL lineup. I don't know where you stand on Aturatu right now. I'm pretty high on him. I think that he can be in the NHL sooner rather than later. However, some have stated they think that he can be in the NHL as soon as October, uh, whereas I'm a little more reserved in that area where I think maybe he needs one year or at least half a year at the AHL level, getting a little bit more acclimated to a, uh, the NHL um, and AHL-sized rinks over in North America, because remember, they're a little bit larger over in Finland and, and in, at the international level. Um, so I think that he'll he'll need a little bit more seasoning. Um, it is Aturatu's success in the World Juniors in the past year um, and, and giving Islander fans hope that he can be this top six forward. Maybe even some have whispered he's an elite prospect. Is that overstated? Is it understated? Or is it fairly stated? I think we'll have a better idea at training camp. Um, I don't, I don't, I can't give credit to who said it um, on social media, but you know, what he does in training camp will be far more important than what he does at the world juniors. I mean, this was his third world juniors tournament that he was eligible to be in given where he was drafted and the experience he has at this point and the numbers he put up and, in Finland, he should be doing what he's doing. If he wasn't doing what he was doing, you'd be really nervous. Um, so, and obviously, you know, stiffer competition too when he plays Canada, when, if even when he plays the United States or, or Sweden, you know, that's very different than, than, than facing Latvia and, and whatnot. So, you know, we'll be, he played really well at training camp. You know, like, like that was the thing. Like last year when he got to training camp, you were like, ooh okay, there's something here because, you know, this guy hasn't fallen off a cliff where he's not playing with any confidence. He obviously looked like a player. And uh, now one full year removed from that, the success he had under Ole Okun in Finland, getting a cup of coffee with Bridgeport, playing in the playoffs, and now with this World Juniors campaign. If he really does really well at, at, in training camp this year and in a few preseason games and is a standout, then I think you're going to have really solid footing as to you know, your affirmation that he's a real, real prospect and someone that, you know, they're not going to be able to keep down the AHL level for long. Yeah, I think that's that's well said. And if you remember, too, last year when he was at training camp, even Barry Trotz had, you know, turned his head and widened his eyes and said, you know, look at this kid go. He's he's a real good player. Look, I think we got a, we got something in, in this kid here. Um you know, he he fell in, in in the draft. His stock plummeted after a, a tough year and overseas. But but now look at him. You know, I'm I'm really impressed with what we got. So when ba- Barry Trotz doesn't just have to say those things. I know he said it about Samuel Bolduck and and Bodie Wild back in the day as well. Things changed in those scenarios for both of those players. 
Um, but he doesn't have to just say those things. Look at Oliver Wallstrom. He has said time and time again, look, I love Wally, but you know, he's not doing what it needs to be done in order to stay in the lineup. He's not doing mm-hmm. what needs to be done in order to be counted on for consistent, reliable minutes. You know, so when he says that he's impressed by a player, you, you believe it. Now, Barry Trotz isn't here anymore, so obviously Crazy to think about it. it feels unreal sometimes <laughs> when I think about it. Like I type it out sometimes and I'm like, really? Oh wow, he's really yeah. not gonna be there. Yeah, Barry Trotz isn't here anymore, so he'll have to impress somebody new. Um, maybe the the play of Aturatu has stuck with Lula Morello and he's been in Lambert's ear a little bit, but I, I doubt it because that's not really um, you know, that's not really his way. He doesn't really rely on his young guys you you know obviously you've seen it with the signing of the older guys and, and going after uh 32 year old free agents but um you know if, if where there's a will there's a way and and he did state that his intentions were to make the nhl after the ethan sears the new york post put something out on that um that's where his attention is turning Traditionally, in my opinion, centers who are 19 years old and if they're going to make it to the nhl should start on the wing and obviously the Islanders are still four deep at the center position. So that's likely if he were to impress and make the team, he will start on the wing. What does that mean for the roster right now, though? Because it's look, it's still full. We were going to get Kadri, I understand, but uh, it's still full. Mm-hmm. And there's not really a spot for him unless that means somebody goes. Where does where does Aturatu play if he can make the the NHL roster? And and if he and if he would in that scenario, you're doing it so that he plays. You don't want another scenario like Islanders teams of yesteryears where you're putting a 18, 19 year old, 20 year old player in, a, in an impossible situation because they're not playing with creative line mates that can score. You know, you want to put him in a good position to do that. You're not doing that to have him play fourth line minutes. You know, you rather him be on the top line center for for Bridgeport otherwise. So when you think of it that way, I don't really see that there is a spot because, you know, right. I think that, you know, the top you know, six, you know, top two lines are going to be pretty much solidified. So for me, it's either that he really forces their hand with just his overall play. And if the team's struggling at the NHL level and you want to spark and you want to see, you know, you know, change things up about, that would be an opportunity. Or obviously if an injury would occur, uh, that would present an opportunity. Um, you know, not to... I'll try to use a baseball analogy here, but you know Brett Beatty is now the third baseman for the Mets because of injury and, and also bad play from Eduardo Escobar. Beatty was lighting it up in double and triple A this year. If he lights it up in the major leagues while he's here for the week or two, he'll stay. He'll stay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, important too, right? And, and you, know? you know, so that's 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 where you can maybe will Ratu be a part of this team next year? It has to be either he forces their hand to get the opportunity or the opportunity presents itself. And when he does, he plays well. And then he'll stick. If not, having him in Bridgeport's fine. Yeah, and I think that's important for the development, right? You you have those players who are projected to be something special, play at, at maybe a level below where they're they're um, projected to be at at some point in their career, build that confidence, get get acclimated to the ice, get acclimated to the, the pace, get acclimated to the game. Um, bring them up when their confidence is pretty high and, and have them continue to try to ride that confidence. And I, I love your analogy and Beatty. I've been watching, you know, what he's been doing with the Mets and, and that's certainly applicable to what we're talking about with Ratu here. If he can take that same course as a prospect, who's been exciting at the minor levels and, and transition that to the major levels, then yeah, that's, that's a perfect recipe for success. So um, that's definitely something that uh, you can attribute to the development of Ratu and you hope to see happen. One, uh, some uh, some breaking um, 
Nazim Kadri quotes. Do you want to ah. do you want to hear these? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, it's certainly an elaborate process, the UFA market. The patients definitely did me some good. Calgary was always a team that was interested from day one. It was definitely a tricky process. There was some decisions to be made. So when he says the patients definitely did me some good, to me, that's, again, more affirmation that, you know, the teams that were interested in him, and it probably wasn't just one, Calgary and the Islanders needed to do things, or he would have, you know, probably had to accept the lesser deal. So he waited for a team to be able to make their move or make the decision to make the move um, that Calgary did to free up the cap space to make, make it happen. So, um, you know, the fact that Calgary and other teams express interest, I mean, that's a phone call, right? We'd love to have you. We, we don't have the cap space right now. Right. Uh, these might've been further along with, with, with the Islanders in terms of specific numbers and whatnot, but really, you know, the Islanders, Maybe we're in a similar position as a lot of multiple teams were in that nothing could happen unless they made the salary move. Yeah. 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 I'm there with you. It definitely does sound like more affirmation. And, uh, you know, again, I, we, we, we both understand the fan frustration. We both understand the, the want and the crave for something to happen because again, the only thing that has is on draft night, they acquire Romanov and then, few days later, they signed Kel Odelius to his entry-level contract, and since it's been radio silence. So I get it. I get the frustration, and I, and I don't blame anybody for feeling the way they do. I think the last thing I want to ask you here is, um, you know, I, I, just your thoughts on, on this. <laughs> and here I go again. Thing that I have heard um, <laughs> where this I was. You know, this is true. This, oh, yes, this, this is, is this is something, this is something that I've heard. Well, the fact that you've heard that it is true, but we don't know if it's true. Okay. <laughs> Someone I've spoken to cl- close with the team um, in, in the whole catcher situation. This was before he he signed with the the uh, the Flames. And uh, this person did actually believe that they he was going to sign with the Islanders. Um, but in this hypothetical situation, he wrote me, he had said, you know, if it's not Kadri, I'm of the belief that. Islanders actually, or Lamarillo might actually want to add one more piece to his blue line. What do you think about that? Oh, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, for the fans that don't, didn't want Kadri here, I think that's what maybe screams out more so than even the forward group is that um, you don't trust Robin Salo day one to be the sixth, the sixth defenseman. And if you can um, add someone that's a, a better stature, that has a little bit more experience and, and have Salo and Ajo as your number seven and number eight, and you're you're in a much stronger position, and uh, you know this is likely, well, possibly the last year of Scott Mayfield on his very uh, team friendly contract. But if you can roll out, you know, Pelic Pulak, Romanov, Dobson, and then also have, um, you know, also have someone else to pair with Mayfield, you know, the strength of the Islanders team should be their strength, which is their defense and goaltending, and 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 kind of have that timely store timely scoring. And, you know, you know, the Islanders pre-Barry Trotz, you know, showed that they had the ability, a lot of these same players, to put the puck in the net, provided they were given the freedom to do so. Now, I don't know what the very fine line is there between trying to maintain the system that you are really good at and uh, being able to open things up to where some of these guys can can play more freely and put, put more points up. But, you know, Brock Nelson scored 37 goals for a team that had the 24th most goals in the league. You know, Matt Barzell has put together 80-point seasons. You know, even Josh Belly had a 70-point season, you know, playing with John Tavares. Kyle Parmeri has scored 30 goals in the year. J.G. Paggio can score 20 goals a year. So 
you know, sometimes when you look at the roster and it's like if everyone played to the top of their offensive potential, they wouldn't really need it. Um, so, you know, we have a lot to a lot to see, wait and see here. You know, and the more it looks like that the the group is going to be pretty much running it back, um, whether or not the, the Lane Lambert impact and, and the new coaching staff, um, you know, will change things up to will they have enough offense. But, you know, to your overall point and what you asked, absolutely. Uh, I think I would be a lot more confident if there was a, a, a notable defenseman there in that spot and then, you know, bring Robin Salo along um, more gradually. And maybe he, then he's ready to take, um, you know, Mayfield's spot in the rotation the following year. Yeah, it would be interesting if, if that were to come to fruition. And it would make sense, right? Lamorella did state that he wants more offense from his defense. He wants more pace of play from his blue line. Um, and maybe that's something that all along we should have been looking at a little bit further. I know that they got Romanov, but... Can a team with aspirations uh, of making it back to the playoffs and even making a deep run uh, rely on Robin Sallow for, you know, 82 games? Like, he didn't, you know, really wow anybody when he was with the Islanders. And then when he actually got demoted to the uh, the Bridgeport Islanders uh, after the team was finally healthy last season, you know, there was even that point where Barry Trotz was asked about Sallow down in the AHL. And he had said, you know, he hasn't wowed us down there. He's supposed to be one of those guys who goes down to the AHL level and tears it up. And he just hasn't done that. So we're looking for more out of Sallow. And, um, you know, I think closer to the end of the season, like the last 10 games, uh, he, he had a pretty good go of it. I think he scored something like eight points uh, in those 10 games, which is great, but you need, you need more consistency out of a guy like him. Mm. And if he comes into camp and really proves that he's, you know, ready to, to, to play a full season at the NHL level. Great. But as of right now, you know, that that's a major question mark in, in my is. mind. And if they, if they are to, you know, let's just say they bring in another left-handed guy and you can bump Romanov down next to, next to Mayfield and have a, you know, another legitimate defender in, in your, on your blue line next to Dobson. That's something that you 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 don't question. Mm-hmm. You absolutely do it if you're looking to you know make an impact here. So yeah, and then you know the margin of error for the Islanders, even when they're playing their type of game, is small. You know, two one two one three two type games. So you know Noah Dobson has a lot of growth still in his defensive game that needs to happen. Um, you know, so you're putting a similar pressure on Robin Salo to be trusted defensively in his own zone yeah. and mistakes are going to happen. And when you'll be playing in a lot of tight games, cause that's what the Islanders do, even when they're playing really well, uh, those will get magnified. Um, so I think having a, a more proven six defenseman to start the year would be great. Yeah. And I think, uh, Joe, we'll, we'll end the show on this note here. Chris Botta tweets out, uh, yesterday, Sunday will mark five months since Lou Lamorello said his Islanders were quote, we're not going to get better by just adding players. We're going to get better by making hockey trades. It's time. Mm-hmm. We have about a month until training camp begins. Maybe less. I, I don't know the exact date. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't have it up on my, my calendar right now. Um, maybe something happens. Maybe something doesn't. Like you said earlier, Kevin Weeks said there's at least at least four transactions in the hopper. <laughs> Who knows what the hell those are going to yeah, be? Yeah, the magical, mysterious Lou Lamarillo draw. Um, <laughs> the, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Um, depending on what your view of a hockey trade is and what he meant by that, they've either made one or they've made zero. 
Right. Correct. So whether or not Romano for a 13th round pick is a hockey trade, I think when I heard it and most people heard it, it meant players for players. I have a need. You have a need. We can help each other out here. Both teams win-win situations trying to match with another with another team. Those deals have absolutely not happened. And you look at his kind of tenure with the Islanders, he has not made those type of deals whatsoever. So um, and again, as, as you know, teams are finalizing their roster a month before, ugh, it gets a little bit crazier. It's usually these other factors, the cap issues, things like that, that drive transactions at this point of, uh, of the calendar. Not, you know, you need scoring and I have a defensive winger or I have a physical uh, third liner and, and you have a, a too many scorers on your top six lines. And you know, that, that stuff you don't, you don't usually see at this point. But we'll see. We'll have more to talk about, even if there is nothing to talk about. As usual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's absolute fact. This is a, a impromptu Friday edition of the Eyes on Owls podcast. Uh, Joe and I will get back to the drawing board next week. We'll let you know when we're going to post a new one. Uh, any any final comments, Joe? No, just, just you know, let me know what your sources are telling me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll talk yeah. to you all next week. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.